he presented the gospel in a way I never heard it before. Um, he said, don't judge Jesus on the broken people he came to save because broken people hurt broken people, but Jesus wants broken people. Mm. Um, I realized right there that I had judged Jesus on my dad. Um, I judged Jesus on a pastor. I judged Jesus about the rumors about my family all over town. I, I judged Jesus on everybody but Jesus. Mm. Um, I never met him. And I knew a lot about him. Uh, I knew the stories. I knew the answers, the Sunday school lessons, but I never given him any uh, chance to be who he is. Welcome to The Brave Place, where we journey into the lives of brave men and women who have beat the odds or who are in the trenches right now. Difference makers who have truly discovered the warrior that lives within and are living it out. This is the place that will inspire, encourage, enlighten, and challenge that brave person that lives deep down within all of us. Welcome back to another episode of The Brave Place. I'm your host, Christy Rodriguez. And today we have a great conversation in store for you because it is not only real and raw, but it is super brave. And it is a journey that not many people are willing to talk about. And especially people that have such a platform as my guest today. And you may know him from his songs like Freedom Hymn, uh, Why God, which is one of my favorites. It's a question we have all asked, I believe, at one time or another in our lives. And Jesus Can, Wake Up, Sleep, or Good Feeling, all just wonderful songs. He has a couple of albums out, uh, Wide Open and Wake Up, Sleeper. And then, of course, what we're going to be talking about a lot today is his book. It's called Jesus Can, and it's a story about his life emerging from heartache to hope and I'm hoping that today this conversation is going to bring some hope into your life. And thank you for tuning in with us. And I want to welcome Austin French. Austin, welcome to The Brave Place. Ah, Christy, thanks for talking to me. I'm so excited to be hanging out. Well, I, I've been waiting on this conversation for two years now. I first saw your book about two years ago. And again, the title is Jesus Can. And I thought, mm, Jesus can, but I want to know how he did it in this guy's life. Um, I've walked mm. through my own trials, right? And I think we all have. And and so just to get to sit down with you and talk to you, I saw you at that conference in Nashville a couple of weeks ago and and uh, just being able to to meet you in person. And I can just tell you're the real deal. Oh, I, thank you so much. Honestly, it's just it's amazing that these songs and my story has been uh, a hope to to you and and anybody who reads it. It kind of just blows me away. So I'm I'm very grateful to share my story with you guys today. Well, your your courage and your strength to even do it inspire me in a big way. And so, and I want to dive into your story and your book, Jesus Can. It's about your life story. So, can you share, uh, give our listeners an inside look into Austin French? Yeah, well, you know, I, I grew up, uh, two things that were a huge part about my life was one was music. My mom taught music in our living room growing up. I grew up in South Georgia uh, with all the rednecks down there. Uh, yeah, that's my that's where I grew up and uh, my stomping grounds. And uh, my mom was a music teacher in town. And so it, all the time we had people come over to our house in our living room and she'd teach them how to sing play piano and, and all those kind of things. And so it, it just felt like music was in our blood. It's just what we did as a family. I have two sisters. Uh, and then my dad was actually a worship pastor. So the other thing that felt like it was a huge part of my life was church. I was, I was there every time the doors were open. If you're a pastor's kid, you kind of get that. Like if there's any kind of event, you're there. Um, and so it felt like my life was split up in two worlds, my home life and, and church life. They were both huge parts of my 
uh, upbringing. And, uh, but as an eight-year-old little kid, uh, I remember just writing the words in a journal one day, I will never be a Christian. Mm. Um, I actually hated Christians. I didn't want to be one. Um, and because uh, I can understand why the godliest man in my life would beat his wife and kids behind closed doors and ask us to pretend like it never happened at church. Mm. So uh, I was taught, I, you know, I was taught to perform. Um, my mom taught me how to perform, you know, vocally. And uh, my dad taught me how to perform in, in my life, how to wear a mask to church and pull my sleeves down and not let anybody know what's going on at all. And so I just felt like we were living a fake life. Like it was just exhausting and, and terrifying at the same time. And, uh, and so I didn't want to be my dad. I hated Christians because I hated my dad. You yes. share about a pretty pivotal moment there when you were eight years old and your mom, I believe, pulled you out of school, right? Yeah. Yeah. She had this conversation with me as a little kid and just like, Austin, I don't know what to do. Uh, I just remember asking her to leave my dad because I just didn't want to get hit anymore. Um, and I just didn't want to hurt like that anymore. Mm-hmm. I'd be scared anymore. And uh, so, yeah. I, what I didn't realize is that I carried that weight for so long of, all right, it's my fault. <laughs> like I, I signed off on this. Like I signed off on the brokenness of a broken family. And I felt the responsibility of that for a long, long time. Um, but yeah, I, that's something I really had to wrestle with. Mm-hmm. And the church that we were going to actually asked, asked us to never come back again. The words from the pastor were, we just don't want to be known where, uh, as the church where people fall apart. And um, I just never forget that. Like, it just felt like I got kicked out and I wasn't wanted anymore because we weren't perfect anymore. Everything had kind of come out of what was happening at home. And it was just a wild and crazy ride. And so I didn't want to be a Christian because I hated my dad and it felt like the church didn't want me anymore. Fast forward uh, to 13 years old. I wanted to be John Mayer. I wanted to play the guitar uh, so I could get a girlfriend. That's what I thought. I thought that's how that worked. And uh, I think that's a pretty uh, a typical young, young teenager. I would say that's a pretty typical yeah, move. But. Yeah, yeah. If you're, if you're listening to this podcast, listening to this playback, uh, it didn't work for me. Maybe you'll have better luck. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I, I went to this music camp uh, to learn how to play this thing. And a guy got on a stage and uh, he presented the gospel in a way I never heard it before. Um, he said, don't judge Jesus on the broken people he came to save because broken people hurt broken people, but Jesus wants broken people. Mm. Um, I realized right there that I had judged Jesus on my dad. Um, I judged Jesus on a pastor. I judged Jesus about the rumors about my family all over town. I, I judged Jesus on everybody but Jesus. Mm. Um, I never met him, and I knew a lot about him. Uh, I knew the stories, I knew the answers, the Sunday school lessons, but I never given him any uh, chance to be who he is. And so 13-year-old me, I was really hurting. I was really searching. I was really needing something to get rid of all this bitterness in my heart. And, uh, you know, at that point, I thought a girlfriend would do it. (laughs) But at that camp, I realized that only Jesus could do it. And so I decided to give it a try. Uh, and gave my life to Jesus at 13 years old. And I found out that Jesus is really good at doing everything he said he can do. But what kept you from rebelling? Um, because I, I know you said, you know, I don't want anything to do with Christians ever. And then you have this moment, mm-hmm. you're like, I'm just going to surrender. I mean, when we're in our teenage years, we're surrounded by peers and they are our number one influence. 
I mean, truly. And so what kept you from saying, okay, thanks God, but no thanks again, like going through all these hard times Mm -hmm. and just sticking with the Lord. I think it was the first taste of like freedom, um, like true freedom. When I gave my life to Jesus, I remember like opening up the Bible for really kind of felt like the first time I had been a part of my life, you know, I knew stories in it, Um, but opening up the Bible for the first time and it felt like it was like, like a love letter to me. Like it felt like everything that was written in it, it just began to like pop off the page for me. Mm. Um, And so I I felt like I had like this discovery of something that was just going to change the world. Um, And it really was better to me than fitting in. It was better to me than being popular um, was that I realized like I found something that was, it really became real to me. It wasn't just like for me, it wasn't just like a prayer um, that I prayed because like my friends were praying it or something that you do because it's expected of you. Like I was hurt and, mm-hmm. and I was hearing about uh, something and someone who could like heal that hurt, like really heal that hurt. And I was desperate for it. And I had a lot of incredible people in my life that I didn't realize were so incredible at the time, but now I look back and I'm just so grateful. I had, I had a youth pastor um, who taught me how to like read the word of God. Like he wasn't interested in entertaining me with like fun games and like ping pong, but he was, <laughs> he was, he, it was interested in like saying, Hey, like these words were written for you. And if you're ever lonely, you can go to it. And if you're ever hurting, you can find healing. If you're, if you're suffering with unforgiveness, like he will soften your heart, but you have to replace the bitterness with the words of God in your life. And um, so, I mean, when you're that hurt, you're kind of really willing to try anything. Um, and like my life was so dysfunctional. I felt like a deck of cars that was just shuffled around from home to home, weekend to weekend. Um, and the only thing I found consistency in was in Jesus. Um, like my, yeah. my life, was shifting all the time. Um, and so that kind of was enough for me to say, I don't want what my friends have, um, because they felt just as miserable as I was. Like I, I knew, uh, going to parties and getting drunk, like, wasn't going to fill the tank for me. Um, I knew like rebelling and like doing all these crazy things. Wasn't, it wasn't what I needed in my life. Like it it felt, that kind of felt miserable. And it felt like nothing would ever be enough. But then I found something that was enough. Um, And so, yeah, I think it's just falling in love with Jesus wasn't just like a uh, something that happened at a youth camp. It was something that happened every day. Um, And that's really what held me from doing the whole rebellion thing as a kid. Wow. That's incredible that it goes along with a, a line in your book. You said the moment when your life seems to be falling apart is when you begin to long for something better. And that's what you're mm-hmm. saying. You were desperate. And that's when yeah. God begins his work of change and sanctification. And I, I just ask that for God every day. Help me be desperate for you. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate you sharing that. I know that our listening family is probably curious about your relationship with your dad. And at 18, he apologizes to you. And in your book, you, you're talking about you guys are on a, a car ride and he yeah. had this really amazing conversation. And so can you just take us down the road? Because it wasn't long after that he had an accident. I just, I would love for our listening family mm-hmm. to hear just a bit of that journey and just the redemption that has taken place, even in that relationship yeah. that you thought truly would never happen. 
I'll never forget a youth pastor asking me if I prayed for my dad. And I was like, no, I hate him. Why would I do that? Uh, and then he said, Austin, you know, Jesus forgave you when you didn't deserve it either. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, I'm not asking you to forgive your dad overnight, but maybe pray for him and see what happens. I started praying for my dad and I started, uh, you know, caring more. I found that my heart began to like, even though he wasn't ready to admit anything uh, or own up to anything or, or accept anything, it was on me to just say, okay, well, I am open to forgiveness because I've been given a forgiveness I don't deserve either. Um, and so that was the beginning uh, and prayed for my dad every day and started to try to put like moments in our life for our, us to hang out and be around each other. And a car ride when I was 18 was just one of those moments. It was probably the longest moment that we had spent time together. Um, and I just forced myself onto this car ride uh, and we talked and we talked things out. And that's the first time he said he was sorry after that. Um, it was kind of, it was just kind of like, I really did get my dad back. We began to do things together and go places together and call each other, talk to each other, text each other. And, uh, it was just wild. Like it's not something I I ever thought would even be possible. Um, and so I was just kind of grateful. Um, I wish I could say like, you know, it's not like, all it's not like the scars aren't aren't there mm-hmm. um like they didn't disappear um they're just a, now a, a part of the story like my dad knows the story he knows what i do for a living i tell my story from stage it's a part of our life it's a part of what god's done and so like it it is where god like has brought us out of and so it's uh, it's 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 kind of this new foundation that we build upon of just like, hey, we know who we used to be. Thank God we're not that way anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't ignore it. And uh, like it is a part of the story. And, and that's OK, because the redemption is also a part of the story. So, yeah, we're just kind of cheer each other on. And we call each other. My dad did get in an accident. Uh, he was in a coma for a long time. And the doctors told us he would never make it. Uh, and at this point, really, my dad was running from the Lord, like pretty hardcore. Um, and my, he got in this accident. And I remember my dad waking up after the doctor said he wouldn't after months of a coma. And uh, the doctors told us that he wasn't going to live. Uh, he woke up. And that's the first time my dad was like, I actually need the Lord for the first time. He woke up and and he actually lost his eyesight in a coma, his eyes hemorrhaged, and he's learning to live life as a blind man now. Um, and yeah, it's a new life for him, but he, for the first time, is actually like leaning on the Lord. Uh, and yeah, it, it's a totally different man. Like he woke up a totally different guy. And uh, God has rescued him from so much and redeemed so much in his own life and his own struggles. And He's living life as a blind man, but I feel like he's never been more free. It's actually been a sweet journey um, to just watch what God's done in his life and what he's done in our relationship together. That's incredible. And just the irony of it, too. It's like when he could see in the physical, he was blind in the spiritual. Yeah. Here he is blind in the physical, but now he can see in the spiritual. I mean, that's. Yeah, that's that's incredible to me you mentioned in the book, you had a lot of fears about being married in the sense of like, you knew she was Mm -hmm. your wife. You wanted to marry her and you were kind of afraid of yourself in a way, a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. It was definitely my biggest fear. Two of my biggest fears was to be a husband 
and to be a dad, it was just unknown territory. Um, and I just was worried, to be honest, that my father's sins were in my blood. Like I, it's something that, uh, I wouldn't be able to escape or overcome. Um, but praise the Lord. Like uh, when you walk with Jesus, uh, the fear is still there a hundred percent. Uh, but the ability to do things different now is there. Um, like I, I really, I really lean on, on the story of Lazarus. Like he was dead. And then he, Jesus called them out of his grave. He was living and breathing again. And I'm sure like he, he remembers what it felt like to be dead, but now he had this new life and he could go put his grave clothes back on and pretend to be dead, or he could walk in the newness of life. And mm. uh, as a dad and as a husband, that's what I choose to do is I know what the grave clothes look like and it's abuse and it's anger and it's, you know, a short temper and it's like covering things up. And that's what my grave clothes look like, like of what it could be. Uh, but the newness of life looks like freedom, looks like transparency, vulnerability, intimacy with my wife, uh, the ability to be a good father, a patient father with my children. And that's who Jesus says I can be. Um, and so every day is just a chance for me to wake up uh, and love my wife the way I think Jesus loves the church um, and wake up and, and love my kids the way that I've been loved by God. Um, and I have to lean on that example. and. The fear, you know, always, it, it does call my name and the fear is there. Um, but the ability to walk in the newness of life is also there. And, and I have to choose who I listen to. I think we all do. Um, and the ability to do things differently comes from my relationship with Jesus. That is powerful. Now, you had some interesting experiences um, with TV. We've got, we got the voice yeah. rising star. Can you just share with us a little bit about that? Because I think it's so interesting how things started looking good and then they didn't, then they started looking good again and then they didn't. Can you just take us down that journey for a quick minute? Yeah, absolutely. It was a wild ride. Uh, yeah. So my senior year, I got asked to be a part of, well, I didn't really get asked. My mom signed me up um, to audition for the voice. And I honestly didn't think I would make it. Uh, I didn't think I'd get very far. I just knew my mom told me I could go to Universal Studios with my friends <laughs> and <laughs> and try out for the show. Yes. I was like, well, that sounds like a great deal. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's what I did. Uh, and I went down and ended up auditioning. And I kind of moved some mountains for me, even in the audition process of uh, getting to audition for the show. I, I, I ended up getting accepted and they flew me out to LA and I just remember being like this small town kid from Georgia who thought I'd never leave this little town. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'm in Los Angeles singing on national television. This is crazy. And, uh, and I thought, man, God is just moving all these mountains for me to be here. And then I get to this show and no one turns around. Uh, so on the voices, like judges chairs, and if they want you to be on their team, they turn around, no one turned around. And I was just like, God, I'm like, why am I here? Why, why did you bring me here? What is what? Why why did you do all these things for just like failure to hit me in the face? Like I just felt, I was like, how how is this a part of the plan? And um, a few months later, I got a phone call to be a, a part of another TV show from a producer who was at that taping of the show that I did for The Voice. Um, and so I was like, all right, God, this is it. Like you were saving me for something better. Like this is crazy. 
Uh, and I went out to do this TV show and then I, I made it onto the TV show, taped an episode and a guy came out <laughs> to my dressing room and was like, Hey, Austin, uh, thanks so much for being here. Um, so you are disqualified. I'm like, wait, what? How am I disqualified? And turns out that my, that my legal contract from the voice was not letting me be a part of this other TV show. Mm. So I was just, just kind of over it at this point. Like, right. What, what in the world? I, I was like, I, I'm so done with this whole television thing. I was like, this is crazy. Uh, and so, you know, fast forward, you know, there was a lot of ups and downs, but I ended up starting to work at a church where I was a worship pastor. I ended up meeting my wife there. Um, and I thought I would live and breathe and like die the worship pastor of this church. I was so happy there. And um, I was super young, but I was like, oh, this is something I could grow and do forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I loved it. And I, um, <laughs> then I got a phone call uh, on April Fool's Day to be a part of another TV show. <laughs> like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, this is a joke. I thought it was a joke. I ended up actually hanging up on the uh, the person who called me. <laughs> From the like, TV oh, show. Hilarious. Yeah, I was like, this is hilarious. <laughs> what a joke. Like, yeah. Oh, my word. Like, so funny. <laughs> uh, and turns out it was not a joke. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I looked up the name of who called me. I was like, oh, my goodness. That's an executive producer of ABC <laughs> Network. Like, this is this is nuts. And. So then I called him back. I was like, okay, you called me on April Fool's Day. Like, how dare you? Like, why would you do that? That's terrible. Uh, I was like, okay, can I still audition? Is this something that I could do? And they're like, oh, yeah, we want to be a part of it. And so I uh, ended up making it onto that show. But uh, it, just even being a part of that television show was something I never thought I would get very far. It's just something that I was... I was doing, um, being a part of that, you know, it was just fun to, to be a part of, but I never thought it would turn into anything. I ended up getting second place on this TV show, uh, and it changed my life forever. Um, so yeah, I, I'm kind of, I'm here now just on the other side of it thinking what a journey Like God told me no twice and got uh, literally like, in 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 the craziest ways, some of the most like humbling ways, I think God prepared me mm-hmm. uh, for what I get to do now by by kind of making a way and saying no before I was ready. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think God sometimes does that to you. He'll say no uh, to prepare you for things that you don't even know uh, are in the works. So that was kind of my story with that. Well, and and you know what I took away from that. Uh, reading that about that in your book is how amazing it was where, where God, like you said, kind of prepared you, but it really in your heart, emotionally and spiritually, you were not ready for that adventure because it was from those first two auditions. You had that gap where you were leading worship at a church and growing spiritually and becoming more into who you are, like into who Austin's going to be. So whenever, because what you talked about, uh, what you wrote about in your book is whenever you went to that final show, they were asking you, you know, Hey, you could go with this whole different direction, secular, uh, a secular direction. And you were like, I want to write Christian music. And they were kind of like, well, you're going to make more money if you go this other route. And do you think you would have answered that same way in that, that final show versus the voice a few years prior. 
Yeah, I, I feel like I just wasn't mature enough to know, um, know like to not be, I don't know, persuaded. I think if I wasn't like leading worship at that church um, and falling in love with like the congregation of that I got to be a part of, um, it was it was really this like eye opening experience of uh, this is what I want to do. Like this is this is right. Like this mm-hmm. is something I want to be a part of. Um, and so, you know, like when I got the chance to be a part of the show, at, like as an older uh, adult, it was kind of this thing. I think it did prepare me of just saying, like, the the money's not worth it. As anybody that takes a job as a worship pastor in a church plant knows that the money is not is not why you do it, mm-hmm. uh, because there's no money. Uh, really, it's it's mainly like what you get to do and what you get to see God do. Um, and that's, that's really what I fell in love with was watching God do the things that we couldn't do for ourselves. And, and so, yeah, writing music that, that looked like that was really important to me. Um, and so whenever I did get the opportunity to kind of make this choice of like, Hey, why don't you like do the secular thing and, or do country or do things like that? And I'm like, you know, it's just not what's honest for me. Uh, I could do that and I could probably make a lot of money. But at the end of the day, it would never, it wasn't like honest music to me. Uh, I, I like to write music about what God's doing in my life, what he's taught me, the, the ground, you know, that I walk on, not someone else's story, not stories that are good for entertainment. But then you forget as soon as that song's over, I want something and I want to be a part of something that after the song is over, hopefully the word of God seeps into your life just from listening to a song that's three minutes long with the truth of God in it. And to me, that's way more, uh, that's, that's way more worth it and something to give your life to. Well, you definitely do that. And and I just love it how God did. He, he matured you into that place where whenever you do get that final show, now you're ready. Like you're, you're ready to, because yeah. that final show really did catapult you in a lot of ways musically. Absolutely. Yeah. God really opened up the door. I met my manager and, uh, through that, my, my record label. And, and now I get to travel the world and, and sing songs about Jesus and write these songs about my life. But somehow, um, God makes it relatable to, to everyone else's. And that, that's the part that really blows my mind. But I, I'm so grateful. God has seasoned our life. I think that's at the end. That's something that we don't like to talk about. Like we love overnight successes. We love like a blow up story. Right. But, but the real, the realistic aspect of that is there's no such thing as an overnight success. Like there's always some backstory. Um, there has to be, um, for preparing. And in my, in my story, I found that the no's were worth it. Like the pain Mm. was worth it. The scars were worth it. Um, because now God has healed me. God has redeemed me. He has restored me and he prepared me. Uh, for the stages I get to walk on every night. Well, I just love your heart and and I can tell, I mean, it is definitely an honest and sincere heart and that that's what makes you so special and makes your music so special because people get that um, and it speaks right to their heart and they need it and we all need it. I I do want to ask you one last question and that is how would you encourage someone today who just doesn't feel like they have that hope? You know, you, you, you are mm. very, um, you have a lot of hope in your words, um, but they're sitting there listening. They're saying, yeah, that's good for you, Austin. I'm glad God redeemed 
your relationship with yeah. your father and you sound like you're in a different place, but I just don't see that happening for myself. What would you say to that person? Yeah. You know, a lot of us, it's so easy. Uh, in my situation, I was so angry at my dad, but it wasn't until 18 years old for me. My, my dad finally owned up to what he did to me. Um, I would say when I found Jesus, I realized that I could only be responsible for how I lived my life. Um, and scripture like doesn't promise that if you forgive others, they will forgive you. No, uh, it's forgive others as they have, as you have been forgiven. Um, and so you have to realize that there's so much in our life that will be done to us. I get it. And I'm a broken kid from a broken home. A lot of crap has happened to me. Uh, and there's some things that people have never apologized for. Uh, you know, I've never been apologized to by the pastor of my church to ask us to never come back. I've never been apologized to by the people who spoke rumors and nasty things about my family, who tore my mom's reputation to shred uh, when my parents split up. No one said, I'm sorry for that. But I love those people. Uh, I, I've forgiven those people, not because of what they've done. They never asked me for forgiveness. but the work that you can do on your own is so important. So don't look for other people to change your situation. Realize that Jesus died to change your situation and he will make ways out of, uh, out of the wilderness for you. Uh, and it's not always about reconciliation on their side of things. It's all about what you can do with what you're handed. Um, and so that's where I found freedom in my story. I forgave before I, I ever was asked, um, for forgiveness. Mm. And I think that's kind of what we have to realize is that we want someone else to make the first move, but that's not going to happen most of the time. Um, you're responsible for what you hold in your heart. So lean on Jesus because I couldn't have done it without him. Um, and I still can't do it without him. Um, and realize that like redemption is a ongoing process. Like it, forgiveness didn't happen for me overnight, man. It happened for over years. Um, and you got to trust the process, lean into Jesus. He's enough to hold you when you're hurting. He's enough to comfort you when you feel like all hope is gone. He will be with you because some days suck. Uh, but then some days you feel like you found victory. Uh, and it's all a part of the process. Just lean on Jesus uh, be honest with yourself and honest with your community around you. Uh, and I think that's a great step. You say, be honest with yourself and, and your community around you. What do you want to say about that? Just the community around you? How has that impacted you? Mm. You need people. You need people. Like everybody feels like we're an island. Instagram, Facebook. Uh, we put all of our highlights, but we never put the lowlights. Like we never hit the valleys. And the people only know the best version of you. And that is not you. Uh, that is a moment in time that you had. You need people that know you. Um, you need people that can call you when you're. In, they see that you're having a bad day. You you need to be able to lean on your community. You need to go to church. Don't do this on your own. Do this with people that are trying to fight the same fight. Um, if I didn't have people in my life, the loneliest parts of my life are when I tried to hide my mess from everyone around me. Mm. Um, but the most beautiful moments in my life is when people prayed with me because they knew that I needed to forgive my dad. When, when people knew the struggles and the anger that I was struggling with, the guys in my life that, that I talk to every week that know that my greatest fear is to be a dad and greatest fear to be a husband. 
Like they hold me accountable. They check in on me and I'm honest with them. I don't give them uh, the highlight reel. I give them it all um, because you need people who know you. And when people know you, um, they can walk next to you. You need that. And uh, so don't, don't like blame everyone else around you for your loneliness uh, because people are around you. So you don't feel lonely. It's up to you whether you're vulnerable with them or not. Um, so find some people that you can be vulnerable with. And I think that'll change a lot of things for you. Well, Austin French, you are the real deal, man. And, uh, definitely, uh, yeah, uh, just a testimony to the name of your book, Jesus Can, and your music, your lyrics showcase just your true heart. And we're just super grateful for all that you've done and, and all that you're going to do for the Lord. Thank you for saying yes to God, man. Uh, well, I, it's the best thing I ever did. And uh, I am very grateful to be able to live out this journey. And, and uh, I'm grateful to talk to you and share my story today. I hope it encourages others. Well, it absolutely encourages me and no doubt I know our listeners as well. And, and if our listeners want to find your music, Austin, where's the best place where they can find your book and your music? Just connect with you online. Yeah, just look up austinfrenchmusic.com. You can find all my social media there, links to my music, music videos, uh, and my book is on sale on my website as well. So yeah, I'd love for you to check me out there. Awesome. Thank you so much. And hey, if you are ever in Northwest Arkansas, you got to stop by our studio. I'd love to see you again yeah. and have another just amazing conversation. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. No problem. God bless you guys. God bless you, Austin. And that wraps up another episode of The Brave Place. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. I hope it encouraged you as much as that conversation did me. If you have any questions about anything you heard today or you have an idea for a future episode of The Brave Place, I'd love to hear from you. You can email me at christy at klrc.com. Christy is spelled C-H-R-I-S-T-Y. And until next time, have a brave day. Thanks for listening to The Brave Place, part of the KLRC Podcast Network.